Generations seem to be a big deal. Not sure you want to be defined by the year of your birth? Aren't we all unique? Then how do we explain Tinder and self-branding to a boomer? And how do you explain the importance of keeping a home and budgeting to a millennial? I'm Katie McEwen, a baby boomer and the author of Oldie's Guide to the Millennial World. My friend Anna Blackie is a millennial and the author of How to Adult. And in this podcast, we talk about the things that make our generations different and what we can learn from each other to make living in this crazy world a little bit easier. In this episode, we're talking about one of the scariest things of all, finances. Anna. Why do you think millennials find managing money so scary? <laughs> because everything's scary. I think maybe money is really scary for us because we don't understand it properly. I feel like one of the things that is like a big deal with a lot of the things in my book is that we weren't taught a lot. I feel like there's a big lack of knowledge in how money works and why you should be good at your finances, even though it seems like it should be something you know. Um, was it tackled at school? Did you have any ever have any educational financial I never management? had any like budgeting classes or anything at school, which or if I did I wasn't paying any attention. <laughs> you could do business studies at school, but you had to elect to do business studies. Right. And I think that they did a lot of like financial stuff, but it was again more business related and not in like a personal finance sense. Right. And I think the thing with personal finance is that you need to understand what your goals are and why you're saving for things and how you're like what's important to you and what's important to spend your money on. And if you're never really taught to even think about those things, it's really hard to start to build a plan around that. Mm. Um, and do you think that, I mean, I from my point of view, I think that managing money is much harder for your generation because you've got such a lot of um, things that we never had, like student debt, which is mm. just kind of there hanging over you in the background <laughs> until you, unless you've got someone very nice who's paying it off for you or... Mm. This, or you're independently wealthy. Um, so I think that's a big thing. But also um, there's costs in your lives, I think, that we never had, like a mobile phone, for example, yeah. which is an expense that we just never had to even think about. Yeah. And now, you know, you want to be up to date with all with technology and have access, well, a whole of your life is having access to those things which come through having a smartphone. Yeah, which... and I think there's all that stuff like streaming, like Spotify and Netflix and Stan and all that kind of stuff that you, you want to engage with all the things that are happening around you, but it all comes at a cost. And that's kind of where like the share economy and stuff comes in, where you've got stuff like Netflix and you split between all of your friends and every household is using a different account and yeah. so that you can all kind of cut down the price. And not to mention your avocado toast. And it's very yeah. expensive to stay delicious. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I guess the sharing economy was one of the things that I found quite interesting when I was researching the book, my book, because, um, you know, that whole idea of peer-to-peer sharing was something that, didn't happen obviously in our generation and um uh, you know it's great that it came from that background where people had all those expensive things that they uh, weren't utilizing and felt they could share with others that's the background of it of course um and things like uber and airbnb are just things that we never had yeah and really. now they're just such a part of everyday life for millennials in mm. particular it's funny how stuff like Uber Pool as well as like breaking down the share economy into like the next level of sharing. Yes. And it's so cheap and it's so great. Yes, I guess, um, well, we would not use a taxi because it was too expensive, I guess. So yeah. you just wouldn't have that option. But now you can do that and it's much easier. Um, and I think that people in my generation are starting to use it, but they don't use it anywhere as well as anywhere near as well as your generation do. And well, I know a lot of people who use Uber. I don't know anybody who would use a share. <laughs> sharing it is a weird thing to get your head around, actually. It's kind of like getting in a very small bus. Like it's, yes. Yeah. 
So car sales for Australia are down 8.9% for this year, I think, which is like a big indicator that our economic health is not as good as we want it to be because they say that people spend their money on big luxury purchases when they have the money and then when they're freaking out, they won't buy that stuff. But I think it's interesting because a lot of people I know just opt to not buy cars because you can get public transport or you can use cheap Ubers, especially if you're living in the city. Yes. And so it's just funny to think that that might be an indicator when the millennial generation probably doesn't spend their money in the same way as we've previously yes. measured money spending. Yeah. yeah, I think that's exactly right. I think people um, you know, don't need to do those big expenses. And it comes back to your budgeting point as well, that when you're um, on limited money and trying to budget, that those big expenses like car registration and car licensing and fixing cars are a huge um, addition to your problems if you've got any money problems yeah um, they come around infrequently but they're expensive yeah um, and if you balance all that over the convenience of having a car it obviously doesn't balance out for a lot of people yeah mm. what do you think some of the biggest differences are between boomers and millennials well I think one of the main things is that I mentioned already is the um, university debt which I think we were just incredibly lucky when we could go to university and end up at the end of it on a job that wasn't necessarily well paid but you just never had that debt hanging over you that you felt that you would have to pay back at some point. The other thing I think that's interesting is that, um, well, it's, this might be particularly relevant for us in Australia in that travel is such a big deal for people in Australia because the rest of the world is uh, so, you know, so interesting. Um, and that cost of flying and travelling is has come down incredibly, the cost of airfares since we were your age. Um, but I had a, there was an interesting uh, fact about flying and house deposits because we'll always get back to the fact that your generation feel it's so difficult to ever even think of consider owning a house but um one of the facts i found was in 1981 the cost of a flight to london would have been about nine thousand dollars in today's money and a 20 20 percent deposit on a median priced house was sixty thousand today the flight to london costs about thirteen hundred dollars and the 20 percent deposit on a house is two hundred and six thousand so it's just you know an amazing difference in perspective on the value between those two things. That's so stressful to me. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I mean, so ownership is obviously, ownership of houses is dropping in your generation and I can absolutely see why. Yeah. Um, You know, the idea of paying off a mortgage, which was perfectly manageable for us 30 years ago, is now almost... It's impossible. Impossible, yeah. And it's funny because I think it's really hard because when you grow up you think that the idea of being successful and being adult is owning a house and I struggle with this all the time because I'm like how will I know I'm successful if I don't own a house like where Mm. am I going to live when I'm old it's such a thing that comes up all the time but it doesn't really seem to be as important as it was before but it's just like recalibrating your brain to realize that there are other things that you can invest your money in and other ways that you can protect your financial future but to have to restructure that thinking is so difficult yes and I guess the, the, the superannuation, the fact that superannuation is a set thing now in terms of income is an attempt to make that safety net a possibility um, for you. And at least you don't see that money going out that's just <laughs> slipping out of your wages without, but at least it's building up some sort of a background for you. Yeah, that's when I was doing my book research, I found out that you actually need over 45k per year once you've retired in your superannuation, which is absolutely terrifying and really stressful (laughs) yes and I guess that's why people are working longer yeah I mean I guess part of that is that we're living longer but we also are fitter and more able until we're older and so people are tending not to retire so early but um 
Yep, that's you can conceivably live a long while after you retire, which means that forty five thousand can be multiplied by a number of years. It just which is like depressing. Such a big amount. <laughs> <laughs> and with interest rates as they are, of course, you're not easily making that money up, which yeah. twenty years ago um, you might have been getting a great interest rate on any savings you actually did have. Yeah. Um, which is not happening anymore. <laughs> so our money's doing nothing, and we're all poor. They <laughs> have nowhere to live. But at least I've seen Europe. <laughs> now, what were some of the things you learned when you were when you were researching finances, which surprised you? I think I learned that I didn't really know enough about my finances, which was surprising. Um, there were a whole bunch of really little things, though, like PayYG certificates stand for pay as you go, which is really little and stupid, and I still don't really understand what that even means. I know what they are, but it's like very strange. Um, I also learned that if you have an accountant, you can claim your accountant in your tax. The cost of the accountant. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah, so yeah. if you get a rebate, it's like they just take a little bit of money out of the rebate and then it's like you never had to pay for them at all, which is very, <laughs> very nice. Um, yeah, I mean, I learned a lot about interest, like the difference between good and bad interest, which is something that like I think my generation struggles with a lot, mm-hmm. um, especially from like credit cards and stuff. Yes, and I was going to say credit card debt is one of those big things. I think. Yeah. And oh, well, it's probably true for all generations, but I think yeah, especially I think for yours to... with online shopping and the other easy ways it is to get credit cards and spend money. Yeah, and mm-hmm. it's just so easy to get like a really high limit on your credit. I have friends that are in really bad credit card debt. They get offered credit more credit cards with higher limits. So yeah. Like surely that's yeah. not a feasible plan. But there's all that stuff like afterpay as well that really, I think a lot of people I know in particular get really trapped in that afterpay cycle. Into, where they, yeah. Yeah. yeah, And it makes a lot of sense because it's like, great, I'll just think about that later. And I think a lot of, again, people my age have this mentality that we'll like put off our financial burdens until the future when we're miraculously richer and then we can deal with them. But it's just not the way it works, unfortunately. So the other thing with finances I think is really difficult is this ability to online shop. And, of course, you know, we know at our workplace that parcels turn up (laughs) with a regular (laughs) monotony at the doorstep. And there's, uh, you know, it's very easy to buy two or three of something and see whether they fit, send them back, which is something that we just never had. You know, shopping was a big deal. If you wanted to go shopping, you had to actually plan to go on a Saturday and (laughs) turn up at a big shopping centre or in town. And, you know, it was a big deal. But nowadays it's just so easy to... Uh, spend money on those things and so I found that really interesting and all of that of course again we come back all the time in this discussion between our two generations about technology and what difference that's made to everybody's life and um, you know the ability for online payments and um, you know secure online payments I guess is what made the big difference to all those companies like eBay and Amazon to make big inroads into this area and now of course all those clothes brands so how do you feel that that uh, millennials deal with that pressure? Oh, I think online shopping is really scary. I get really overwhelmed by online shopping because there are too many options. And it really, like, it's very intense. And I feel this, like, anxiety to buy things. Like, I, every time I go to look online, I'm like, I have to buy something, even if it's not really the thing I want, just because there are all mm. these like, crazy options that will come to me so quickly. And I think, I, again, like, know so many people that get really, like, afterpay and all those things that they can get like bogged down in with their online shopping and I do think it's like a massive hindrance on our ability to like have long-term saving skills because when I think Mm. 
in the past, like, I remember when I was younger being able to go and put things on lay-by at stores and like have to, like I would save my pocket money and then go and put like $10 a week on the thing that I'd lay-by at like Target or something. And it was just like such an exciting thing and you really had to work a lot harder and think a lot longer about the things that you were buying and now you can have that instant gratification when you yes. buy things online and it does you really want that like it's like a little thrill every time you buy something and that's yeah really it's and you know a, it's going to turn up within the next very short amount of time yeah exactly yeah. and even though I suspect that there's some danger in that you know that you can return it if you don't want it but the even if it's free returns then you just have to put it back in the bag that you doesn't always do. happen. Yeah. <laughs> I suspect. Yeah. Uh, did you know that the first thing that was bought online was a slice of pizza? <laughs> I didn't. <laughs> was it pepperoni? <laughs> yeah. I'm not sure. <laughs> but it was from Pizza Hut, so no, no telling. That's a really good fact. And the first bit of music bought online was Sting. <laughs> I'm a little bit let down by that one. The pizza was a better choice. <laughs> I did also read in your book something about when Amazon went down one day, they lost $1.5 million worth of sales. Huge amount. Yeah. It's a a huge business, isn't it? It's crazy. And Amazon is just terrifying. Like, I guess it's not really as big in Australia as it is in the US, but it definitely seems to be encroaching on our market and the idea that one one big conglomeration conglomeration could have complete control of everything we buy is just really... Scary, yeah. Mm. Although there's that's the flexibility, isn't it, and the convenience of being able to buy anything you want at any time without leaving your yeah. chair. So, well, yeah. I think that's again because I really prefer going to a store to buy things because I feel like it takes down the anxiety of the situation. I know that I'm like one of the few in my generation who do like doing that as well. Mm. But I think that when you do go out and buy things, you're weighing up the choice of having to interact with people versus getting to have that shopping experience by yourself which is and I think that's the same with so many of the things that my generation partakes in so much of the things that we do are really insular and we kind of like Mm. we always joke about like wanting to be alone and not having to communicate with people but increasingly we are kind of edging ourselves out from our wider communities and making sure that we don't have to engage with people to to buy things or to like listen to music or go to films you can just do it all in your room from your bed if you wanted to like Mm. it's maybe the instant gratification thing is part of the reason why we struggle so much to buy a house because it's such a long-term thing you really have to like know that that's what you want to do and I think also because the goalposts keep on changing as well like one minute deposit is like kind of reasonable and then the next second it's just beyond the realm of anything you could possibly save for yes yeah and I think the government's pretty out of touch you know I mean the first time I mean is grants and things in the scheme of, especially living in Sydney, in the scheme of a deposit, are just laughable, really. Yeah. <laughs> so doesn't and make it the hoops that you have to jump through to get that grant as well, it's yeah. just insane. Mm. I mean, it really, it doesn't, you end up spending more money trying to make sure that you're going to get the grant than you would if you just didn't even bother. So. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Are there lessons you've learned of what people should be doing <laughs> in an ideal world? Well, I mean... I read The Barefoot Investor. (laughs) That really helped. Um, But I think the biggest thing that I've learned is that you need to be accountable for your money. Um, And again, like we were saying before, I think that people have a bit of a disconnect from their spendings. And there's kind of like, I know that when you go out on a big night out, there's like this black void that your credit card falls into and you spend like a million dollars on drinks and then you buy a kebab and a pizza and all this (laughs) shit at the end of the night. And then it's like, oh, it's okay, that 
it just didn't happen and then you wonder why you have no money for groceries through the week and it's like there's just this balance where we pretend that we know what's going on with our money but then we're willfully blind to the things that we don't want to see and I think if you don't have a good idea of what your incoming incoming and outgoing expenses are then there's no way you're ever going to be able to save anything yes it's yes. and stuff like those long-term expenses that you were saying before as well with a car like having to pay your insurance and your rego and your service and all that kind of stuff mm. I think that often people do things with their money without thinking about the wider scope of what that entails yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, so I think that was kind of the biggest takeaway that I had from writing all that finance stuff and just know what's going on and how much money you have and where you want it to go. Yes. And having a budget for that as well with like tangible goals. If you want to go overseas and be like, okay, this is where I want to go. This is when I want to go. This is how much money I need to do that and then work towards that. Yes. Yeah. I don't think that's changed necessarily from my generation. I mean, I think people always needed to understand what money was coming in and what money was going out. I mean, yeah. even I remember my parents when they'd get paid in cash and my mum would put bits of money into several envelopes for electricity bills and gas bills and things to budget. That was the way she budgeted. Mm. I mean, luckily we don't have to do that anymore. But even my generation, if we wanted a holiday, we would, you know, consciously make an effort to save money in order to be able to pay for that. Yeah. Um, it just wasn't so easy in terms of moving money around and uh, putting it in different accounts. Yeah, and that definitely does make simpler. that mm. If, if you're focused on your budgeting, I think that the yeah. apps and everything do make it a lot easier. And then it's kind of that, like, is it a help or is it a hindrance? And I really think it depends on who you are and how you yes. budget your money. And that's and the same. It's the same, yeah. In all generations, there's people who are good at doing that and people who are not good at doing that and people who end up with houses and people who end up without them. Yeah. <laughs> with a lot of toast. Yeah. <laughs> we just didn't have the avocado to spend money on. <laughs> if you're a boomer and you want to know more about the millennial world, you can find out everything you need to know in Katie's book, Oldie's Guide to the Millennial World. If you need some lessons on how not to be a trash human, as I once was, you can get wise and get it together by reading my book, How to Adult. I'm Anna Blackie and thanks for listening.